Dear Father in heaven, thou art the one that, from whom all good gifts come, O Lord. We believe this, O Lord, and want to humble ourselves and ask of thee, O Lord, in thy mercy, in thy love, in thy compassion, do thou provide everyone's need as gathered here, dear Father, and even those that could not gather and wanted to be here, dear Father. Do thou above our asking, O Lord, for we humbly ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to read with the Lord's help and meditate uh, out of the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9, beginning with verse 24, and then going to chapter 10. 1 Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 24, beginning. Know ye not that they which run in the race, in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. <clears throat> now chapter 10. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat of the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth, Take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will with the temptation also may awake of way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry, I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, 
For we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh, are they not they which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? What say I then? That the idol is anything? Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idol is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man and other man and others wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice to idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Be ye followers of me, even as I am also of Christ. I've read the first verse in chapter 11 as well. Let us arise for prayer. O Lord God Almighty, Thou that art able to feed 5,000 and 4,000, yeah, Thou art able to feed a multitude of 600,000 men and even more. It is a small thing with Thee also to feed us that are gathered here. If we only hunger and thirst after thy holy word, thy righteousness, as we humble ourselves and want to worship thee in spirit and in truth, and plead with thee, O Lord, for Jesus' sake, O Lord, for his merit's sake, not our own, that thou bless us as we are gathered here. Help us, O Lord, not to be distracted by thoughts of things, affairs of this life, for this time has been set aside for worship, for communion with the Lord, for that He speaks to us and that we may say, We hear, O Lord, that we hear with hearing ears, O Lord, receive it, cherish it, and that it may bring forth fruit also to Thy honor and glory. Thou knowest everyone here, yea, the very hairs 
of everyone are numbered. O Lord, how much more the soul's salvation of each one is so precious in thy sight in that thou didst give thy beloved Son, O Lord, to die for us, to spill his blood, O Lord, that whosoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life with thee. But we are called thereto, O Lord, to obedience. We are called to believe, to, to obey and walk, and that our faith may be effective by the obedience, O Lord, that we practice. In thy goodness, deal thou with us and forgive us where we have failed in also in these past days, O Lord, as we draw near. And we do thank thee that Jesus Christ is interceding at the right hand, O Lord, for thine own. And it is our prayer that also the friends avail themselves of that great salvation, O Lord, that is revealed now so abundantly and so clearly in thy scripture, O Lord. O Lord, work thou and tire not thy spirit to admonish, to convict, to draw, O Lord, to comfort, to supply our all need, O Lord, as a good and loving Father, O Lord, who wishes the best for his children, dear Father. Yet these children have to grow and become more and more like his beloved Son, the only begotten one, Jesus Christ. And that the things that we face in this world, that we may realize how true it is, that all things work together for good to them that love thee and are called according to thy purpose, O Lord, that we may not forget this, that thou dost prepare us for a glory that is to come, that no eye mortal can behold here and now. To the above our asking, O Lord, we pray for those that could not be here, the sick, the lonely, the sorely tempted ones, those that are traveling, those present that are far away from this place. Dear Father, be thou with them and uphold them. Thou art not limited by space nor time, dear Father. And we pray for the government, for this city, O Lord, that still allows us to build a place of worship, that we may come together and proclaim thy word freely, O Lord. May we make good use of this time of ease, O Lord, and not be drawn into the pleasures of this life, O Lord, which are just but a season. We have so much is given unto us that we can enjoy with measure, O Lord, and thank Thee for it. And we thank Thee for this privilege that we can be here now and ask now, O Lord, speak Thou, O Lord. Use Thy servant, O Lord, the weak vessel, and see his need, his very need, O Lord, and the need of everyone else here. As we humbly ask and pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank God that the Olympics are finally over, because news are full of them. And you cannot help but you cannot help but notice the news. And as I <coughs> went through the news to quickly to check up what goes on in the world, <coughs> I noticed caught my eye one of them. Uh, they were really down inside. I don't know what word was used, <coughs> but because the, the 400 relay, the Canadian were disqualified. They thought they had won at least a medal. And here they were qualified because somebody in that, re oh, those three persons, I think, that ran, stepped on the line, disqualified. Now, this letter was written to the Corinthians, a place in Greece, in old Greece. The Olympics, they started about 800 before Christ and, and went on till about 400 before Christ. In Greece, it was uh, a great event that brought all the city-states together. They, they even uh, stopped fighting among themselves just to 
to participate in these games. And the reward was a red, a writ of laurel, I understand. Now, they were revived, those games, back in the 1880s, about only armatures were supposed to be participate in it. But nowadays it has become such a big show, such a confrontation among nations, and a big money business. And, and even if you don't want to hear about it, you're going to hear it on the radio if you turn it on and in the news and so forth. And here Paul probably alludes, alludes to those things that were done in Greece. At Corinth, speaking about a race, and he compares our spiritual walk of life here to a race. And he says, you've got to do it lawfully. There are rules you've got to obey. And as it was brought home and made so many people sad because they just live for this and are up almost to heaven and then down in the dumps because they lost. He says he, he puts his body under you know, he, so that he may win the race. And he wants to do it lawfully so he doesn't get disqualified. Now, <clears throat> the last verse in chapter 9, and, and we should say that really the chapters, they were introduced later on in the scriptures. And whenever you read the scripture, you should also read what goes before and what goes after. And that's why I didn't want to start with verse, with chapter 10. It says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, I, it wasn't so long ago I talked with somebody that was associated with our missionaries and they had the idea that God chooses those that he wants to save. I agree with it. But God chooses those that humble themselves. And the idea was presented that regardless what they do, they, as long as they repent of it afterwards, they're going to make it to heaven. It's to say that nothing short of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit can happen to somebody that has become a, a child of God, and he will not lose his salvation. And when I pointed out this verse to him, it says, When I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What is the answer to that? Oh, that means just regarding reward. But then why in chapter 10 he goes on and speaks about Israel that didn't make it into the country, the promised land. Because then he says, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. This speaks to those that have been born again, to those that are cleansed by the blood of Christ. And he doesn't want them to be ignorant of this fact that even if you have begun, and there is, it's very important to make a beginning, but it's also important to be true and faithful unto the end. True and faithful. And that's a warning to the brethren. And that's also a warning to the friends not to take it lightly. That is a very serious step to, to be baptized in Christ. To confess peace. But then we also have to be faithful and true to the end. It's not a matter of just say, I decide. 
You can respond to God's grace when it is being offered. You only can respond. It's not that you seek God first. No, God sought you first. I sought you when you were yet enemies. So it's a very serious word, and the friends need to hear it too, that it's not a light step, because it happens just too often nowadays that those that have begun took it very lightly and leave, and leave. God knows what happened to them. God knows. But they are not anymore part of the fellowship. We don't see them anymore. We don't know how they stand. We don't know what they profess. And sad to say, those that once used to go the same way, and if you meet them many years afterwards, many of them regret having left. Many of them regret. That's why we need to warn ahead of time. That's why we need to read this kind of scripture. That's why the doctrine that is, uh, is mentioned in one of our statement of faith, that you can lose your salvation even if you have been truly converted and become a child of God. You can lose your salvation to take that very serious. And the Apostle Rai said, I don't want you to be ignorant of this fact. It's a serious matter. And it stresses and says, all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea. We know the story about it. We teach them to the Sunday school <coughs> children how the Lord led Israel in a column of fire by night and a cloud in the day. And how they passed through the sea. And these were spiritual experiences. They were not just a matter of getting their body from one place to another. But they were meant to have spiritual meaning. All all were baptized under Moses in a cloud in the sea, and all ate, ate the same spiritual meat. They all had the manna from heaven. They all ate that. They saw it. Did they get the spiritual meaning of it? Did they know who gave them the money, manna? And then they started complaining about it. <coughs> <coughs> and they, they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. And we read in the Old Testament, the smitten rock, when Moses hit the rock and water came forth. Didn't they get the meaning? This was not just to bring their bodies into Canaan, that they were promised, but there was more meaning. And then it says, these happened to them for examples to us, for our admonishment. But then it says, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And I think we all know how many entered actually in the promised land. Only two. Not even Moses was allowed to enter in into that promised land. It says, God, he buried him. The Lord buried him. Yes, the scripture mentioned Moses, and he is going to be in heaven, but that particular promise that to enter the land was not given to him, although he pleaded with God for it. And again, an example. An example to us. If God treated so seriously Moses' uh, outburst of anger, uh, and God called it disobedience, if he treated so seriously, how dare we, how dare we take it lightly? And, And sad to say, I think, Salvation is taken way too lightly in our days. Way too lightly. It is a concern. 
says, neither let us be idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And shortly before that, God spoke to them from Mount Sinai. And they heard his voice and they pleaded, said Moses, talk too to God. We don't want to hear God, lest we die. And shortly after that, they made a calf where the very first commandment was, Thou shalt have no other gods before thee. And the next one, Thou shalt not make any image to bow down before it. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. Just because Moses tarried a long time up there, they soon forgot. And that's how it is. People are so used for instant gratification to please themselves right here and now. They can't wait. They can't wait. Do it here and now. And the opportunity is given. Easy credit. Enjoy it now on credit. But there's going to be a payday. There's going to be a payday. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by the serpents. And we mentioned it, I think, last Sunday. How they again complained and the serpents bit them and many of them died and then Moses was told when he pleaded with God to make a serpent of brass and put it up and said everybody that looks to that serpent after he's bitten everybody had to believe that this is going to help they would live this is likewise Jesus said the son of man must be lifted up that's all God asks that when the Son of Man is lifted up, that they look to Him and, and see what's there. And they find out why. Why? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him, that hang on the cross and bled and died. But faith doesn't end there. Works follow faith. And that's where, too, those that preach eternal security, they disregard all kinds of works. They call it legalism. Only by proclaiming the word, that's, that's a work that you should do. But to walk in obedience to Christ, to walk a life that shows the power of God, because He gave them the power not only to save them from sin, but also to overcome sin. And where that is not evident, you got a question where a real conversion has taken place. And we will insist, and it becomes difficult nowadays because we hardly meet together. We don't know each other. At one time when we used to live in the same village, and everybody used to know each other, it was evident and everybody could say, yes, he walks differently. He walks differently. He's changed. Now we have to go more by the word by what one confesses. Because with the heart man believes. And the righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And we need to depend on that. And unless we have any other evidence, we got to accept. Yes. But those that are with them, especially their family, has a great responsibility in their testimony when they say, yes, they have changed. The power of God is evident. These are confused times. They are times of ease, but much confused. Much confused. When there were persecutions, not everybody wanted to be a Christian. 
only those that were serious about it, because they knew it could mean their life. And Jesus asks, asks your whole life. You may not have to give it here, but if it comes down to it, if it comes down to it, are you ready to do so? But he asks our whole life. He wants a living sacrifice, as we read, I think, in was it the 12th chapter of Romans? A living sacrifice that, that exhibits the power of God. Now, they were so sad and downcast that one strong step on the line disqualifies them for the race. But that's not how it is with salvation. God wants us to be saved. He gave His Son. He doesn't wait for the missed misstep to disqualify us. He provided that His Son would intercede for those that are. But you've got to remain in Christ. Once you leave Christ, there is no one to intercede for you. Then there is still a glimmer of hope as you read in, in also in Corinthians chapter 6, is it? There's a glimmer of hope. But as far as the church is concerned, can't do anything. We just can encourage them and say, continue, continue repenting. And nobody fools God. You may fool the people. But nobody fools God. And God is no respecter of person. And he brings it so close home <clears throat> when even Moses, who spoke with God face to face as no other man, and that, you call it a small disobedience, when instead of talking to the rock, he smote the rock, and because of it, he was not allowed to enter into the promised land here on earth. But I firmly believe he made it to heaven. God took him. God does not wait for us just to make a wrong step. He warns us. He provides. This is, well, why then temptation here on earth? What's the purpose of temptation? Why doesn't God just do away with it so that I'm not tempted anymore? But how then will there be faith? If there is no temptation, who needs faith? Who needs to believe in a righteous and holy God? in the sacrifice that Jesus Christ gave, if there is no temptation. See, it goes together. You're tempted. You believe that God is going to deliver. You believe there is a judgment. There's a warning. And your faith grows stronger. Faith and temptation are here for here on earth. Faith is not for heaven when you see the scripture says, when you see, why you need faith? But it's here, and that is the temptation here, where we need to exercise our faith for the purpose that we may grow more and more like Jesus Christ. The trials, the temptations, all this here, they serve for us to grow spiritually, spiritually, more like Christ. More like Christ. So don't complain about it. Don't murmur. No, there is a purpose. And in Romans 8.28, when he says, We know that all things work for good to them that love God, that are called according to His purpose. And let us not forget this last part, what the purpose of God is. It's not for you to lead a happy life here. 
His purpose is to make you more and more like His Son. Like His Son. Because if He would take you the way you are just to heaven, it wouldn't be any more heaven. He wants them sons. And God has sons. Sons. He doesn't have grandchildren. You heard that saying before? He works with each one. Just because your parents are believers, just because they were true and faithful, doesn't guarantee you a space, a place in heaven. God doesn't have grandchildren. Let me this encouraging verse that we read, verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. The temptation that you face, others have faced them too and have overcome. You are not alone in that. <clears throat> and it says that Jesus was tempted in all points like we are. He is the only one that was tempted in all points. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. And thanks be to God that God knows everything. He knows how much you can take. He provides enough so you can take it. He knows your faith. And He will provide a way of escape who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Every temptation has a way out. This scripture says. You don't have to give in. You don't have to sin. There's a way out. But first of all, don't just willingly go into temptation. When we pray and deliver us from temptation and then are careless and know that I'm going to be tempted by this if I go this way, there's going to be the men, there's going to be a picture there which is going to tempt me. Or for the ladies, you're going to covet something that they want. Oh, you look at it long enough, it's going to be a strong temptation. So don't toy with temptation. May we pray and deliver us from temptation. Don't toy then with it. Because that's a sure recipe for trouble. With the temptation also will make a way or escape that you may be able to bear it. And as Paul advised Timothy, sometimes it's only a flee from it. That's the answer. That's the answer. Flee from it. Remember what is at stake. Remember there is a judgment. Remember that God is no respecter of person. He doesn't play favorites. He's very serious. And he showed how serious he was when his son was crucified. You think that was easy for God? When he gave his son. And then you willingly go and toy with temptation. Remember those things. That's why it's so important to read the scripture, to hear the scripture, to meditate on it, to remind us lest we forget. It says, how shall we escape if, if we neglect so great a salvation? And I see a lot of neglecting nowadays of taking easy things, of not being serious about it. Now, there is perhaps some confusion about temptation and trials. You know, the same thing can be a temptation and can be a trial. When we read in the Old Testament, when David was tempted, 
The devil provoked him to number the people. It was a temptation. Yet it says also that God tried. Tried David. But the purpose is different. The devil will tempt so that you fall. He will try his best. And if God withdraws his hand, the devil is sure enough you can count on it. He will be there to tempt so you fall. But God tries. Tries. It's like giving giving your child some bigger job now to do. So you grow thereby. And he knows how much you can take. And he wants you to grow. So from God's point of view, it's a trial. God cannot be tempted so that he tempts somebody who falls. That's not his purpose. He wants to try you so that you grow, so you stretch your faith. But the devil wants to tempt you so you fail. And be very careful to listen to the devil. You know, when, when Jesus Christ was tempted in the wilderness of the devil, just make, take those stones, make bread. He could do it. You're the son of God. But don't start listening to the devil. That's how the trouble started with Eve. She started listening. And I want you listening with your finite mind, with your faulty reasoning, you can be led down the garden path. So don't listen to it. Even if it seems to be a good device, if it comes from the devil, stick to the Bible. That's the word of God, the revealed word of God. That word you must believe and you must obey. Don't try to seek any other place and take the whole word. Don't pick here and choose. Don't try to make interpretations based just on one verse. No, that he thought he had a, 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 an answer, that fellow that I talked with. There should be a castaway. Oh, that means just he gets disqualified. Why then he goes into chapter 10 and shows us how all Israel were, did, did receive those blessings and yet they didn't make it. With many of them, God was not pleased. And Corinth, Corinth was a place given to much pleasure. Much pleasure. It was known in all world. Depravity. It was accepted. That. And he warns them, especially the Corinthians, flee from idolatry. Flee, don't get involved with it. <coughs> Behold Israel, after the flesh are they not they which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar. And I remember I used to way back when he used to read the Bible and say, oh, they sacrificed so many sheep and, and goats and so forth. And say, oh, what a waste, what a waste, all this. But it was not. Most of the sacrifices, they were eaten. Certain parts, they were burned on the altar, but other parts were eaten. The priests, they had their portion. The one that sacrificed had their portion. And they identified with that sacrifice. They identified the sacrifice. And now we have the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> Since Christ was the ultimate sacrifice, we have the Lord's Supper. The breaking of bread, the drinking of the cup. To be at one. And that everyone should examine himself before he partakes of this, what it means and what it means to you and how you stand before God. So you can then, with one 
agreement in unity partake of that. And you should do it with those with that, that, that you are one. That you truly can say we are one body in Christ. And that's why he warns them. He says, don't participate in, the, in, <clears throat> in those idol sacrifices. Don't participate. You cannot partake of the Lord's table when we have communion and partake of those things. And it's a warning for separation. For separation. And it applies also to when we get together with other people and perhaps there is an event. Let's be careful in what we are involved in. Are we becoming one with this? And it's not just because you understand and know what you're doing, but also what appearance it gives to others. What appearance. <clears throat> he says here, says, you know, an idol is nothing. An idol is nothing. It's a stone, it's a, it's a, it's a, a made out of gold, whatever it is. And we, there used to be many of those things around, and still are. No. But in the spiritual sense, an idol is anything that takes the place of God. Anything. You find something so important that it gives you fulfillment. It's so important to you, it becomes an idol to you. Only God can give us the fulfillment. Not even our own spouses can give us the fulfillment. Only God can supply all our needs. And we've got to be careful there. And for our sake and for the appearance sake of those that may see us. And that's why he says also here, now we live in this world, <clears throat> we cannot be completely cut off as some did. No, they went up in a mountain and lived in a monastery and didn't see anybody. So that's not. Christ doesn't want that. He wants us to be witnesses to the world. Witnesses. He wants us to be witnesses to the world. But he says, I saved you out of the world. You are not of the world, but you live in the world. And as such, <clears throat> there will be occasions. If any of them that believe not, so they hear somebody that doesn't believe in Christ, bid you to a feast and you'll be disposed to go whatsoever is set before you eat asking no questions no? say your prayer ask a blessing upon it but he says if he says this meat comes from an idol offering he says don't eat not because you're conscious because you know it's nothing but he thinks now you are offering also this to, to the idol and that's wrong his conscience is affected. You maybe think all right, but if you still do it, then your conscience is guilty too. <coughs> there are, he says, he has given us all things richly to enjoy. There are many things that we can enjoy. Good food, no? good drink, Good baking, no? Comfort and so forth. We can enjoy it, but let's not abuse it. Even food can be abused. Food can be abused too. And many of the sicknesses nowadays are because of overeating. But nothing is said about it. Oh, don't touch it. No. 
There are many things we can do, but then he warns us and says, all things are lawful for me. They may be okay, those things, but all things are not expedient. No, it's not, it's not the right thing to do. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Another scripture, I will not be brought under the power of any. If something gets to be a hold on you, I gotta have it. That's wrong. If you like drink so badly that you gotta have it, otherwise you are down and miserable. That's wrong because now that has power over you. It has power over you. If you see something, you gotta have it. Oh, I gotta buy it, otherwise I'm gonna be. It has power over you. It's wrong. And the Bible says, don't be brought under the power of any. Can you take it? Can you leave it? You will find out when you lose it. You think that you don't hang on money? Well, when you lose a hundred dollar bill, you find out. We really hang on it. Now, some of our even members here still, they lost everything in the old country. Everything. Now they have again. But do they bemoan the things that they lost? God allowed it. God is above circumstances. He could have changed things, but He allowed it. Don't blame God now for allowing it. Don't hang on it. And the appearance is so important, it should not be neglected. Let no man seek his own, but every man is other wealth. No. Is it going to edify that other person just because I want to take the liberty and I know I can do this and it has no power on me, so I just go ahead and, and do it. But if it affects that other person that cannot handle it, that cannot handle it, the Bible says you didn't have mercy. You didn't have mercy. The Apostle Paul said, if meat offends my brother, if something that I eat offends my brother, as the world standard, I will not eat. As the world standard. That's a strong saying. How about we do? The houses we live, the cars, the way we dress. You know, it can, it can be a temptation to somebody that cannot take it. Even give none offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God even as I please all men in all things not seeking my own profit but the profit of many that they may be saved. And that profit it doesn't mean money it means it edifies them. It edifies them. And Apostle Paul warns us he says let's not be ignorant. Let's not be ignorant. It's important how we want. We are saved by grace through faith, yes. And many affirm that, and like the firm, most evangelicals, yes, that's, that's all that matters. But we are saved unto good works. Unto good works. And how we walk, how we face temptation, how we face trials, we grow in faith, in love, in understanding. And it's important. You can lose your salvation if you are not careful. If you are not careful. Let's not be ignorant. May the Lord add where it's lacking. To him have be all the honor and glory evermore. Amen.
Brother mentioned in his prayer that the words that we didn't read again. Him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Take heed lest he fall. You think you stand. You think you're so firm. Be careful. The next temptation may be around the corner. And you have to be careful that you're not overtaken. Let's be careful. As far as affecting others, <coughs> Jesus said, Ye shall be my witnesses. Ye shall be my witnesses. Now, to be a witness is not just the same thing to, to speak. You hear a lot of things on the radio. You may have somebody say something to you about the Bible or so. But to be a witness is more than that. It's to be an example. As we read in the first verse of chapter 11, it says, Be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. Paul could say that. Can we say that? Can we say that? Oh, I have to be very careful to say that. But people are going to follow. First of all, your children are going to follow the example they see. And others, you know, there is so much overabundance of words and sayings and sermons and so forth. People want to see an example. And that's being a witness. Ye shall be my witnesses. And then when somebody sees that witness, you know, they will want to know, he says, they will ask of the hope of the reason I see with you. They ask you, why did you react this way when I expected you to do this? They will want to know. And then is such an opportunity to tell. But if you are concerned so much about blending in, about blending in, you know, you're diminishing your business. If the people don't see anything different from others, you're not a witness. So let's be careful. Let's not be ignorant. To God be all the honor and glory evermore. Amen. This concludes us.